and it, it means get a roadmap out get just communicate like be like hey listen we have this in development we're not sure if it's going to make it to the game or not. don't do that okay don't don't say that <laughs> uncertain things are coming but like give players an idea of like mm-hmm. why you don't have a roadmap be like listen we are working on a huge complete fucking change and they kind of have alluded to the complexity of reworking the maps but they haven't said the reason we're not releasing content until the summer is because we're doing all of this work that you're not seeing that is going to culminate in the game being infinitely better and if we didn't do all this work the content wouldn't matter because you still wouldn't want to play like they need to acknowledge the frustration and they just need to say like hey this is why it's taking so long. Like really, this is the real issue. Like you see us making these map changes and you're wondering why it takes us three months to put fucking sandbags on a map. And I'm like, it's because we're not just putting sandbags on the map. Here is a, here's a wireframe view of the map and all of the geometry we have to change just to place that thing. And no, it's not the engine. It's the fidelity. You know what I'm saying? I'm very excited because I haven't, you know, I had a kid uh, 11 months ago. Uh, I didn't, I mean, it didn't come out of me. It came out of my wife, but we had a child. It was right after our first show together. I pretty much, no, wait, we want, no, no, no. We wanted to do a show and then you had your kid, right? (laughs) Yeah, we were going to do it. And then my kid, my wife uh, went into labor like the day of. Uh, So it's been a while. But um, no, I haven't had a chance to really talk about the game in a on a sensible platform, right? Like I've talked a lot about it on Twitter. Uh, some folks that I'm friends with on Discord have seen me talk about it, and I just haven't had time to sit down and record a video. And the the big roadblock is like I am not super upset about the game. Like I have a lot of complaints, and I a lot of them mirror what other players say, uh, but. I think there's a lot more going on than just the game, just dice, just EA, whatever. And explaining all that takes like, it takes a long time. So, you know, I don't want to leave people with this impression that like, I like the game and if you don't, you're wrong, blah, blah, blah. So like, it would just take too long and I haven't had time. So this is like the perfect opportunity. So I'm very excited. That, that's amazing. Can you give us a little a little brief intro about, you know, who, who are you in the Battlefield gaming community? How are you connected okay. to it? So people maybe can see who you uh, are. If you don't know, no, you, so I, you never know. <laughs> so I'm a content creator, video editor, and producer uh, that works with another Battlefield YouTube channel. Some of you might know who it is. I try to I try not to associate too closely because, you know, we're everything's separate, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But um i've been covering battlefield for like eight years almost at this point been playing since bad company 2 i've uh, been a huge fan of the franchise and back when battlefield 5 launched or was about to launch i got invited to be part of the ea game changers program and now i'm part of the ea creators program and despite what a lot of people think that doesn't mean ea gets to tell me what i say about their games i am known as the person that writes the walls of text criticizing the game uh, to everyone else in the program. Like people, when they see me type in Discord, they're like, oh no, he's going to talk. Dear God. So Why do you think that? Why do you, why do you think that? That's actually interesting. I mean, why do you think that of yourself? 
I don't I'm think just they a very, think that actually. I'm kind of long-winded. Uh, <laughs> I I talk a lot and I have a lot to say. And like the thing is, like you know, my work is my life, right? Like I spend all day, every day, basically either working or taking care of my family. And you know, when it comes to stuff like gaming, uh, making videos, uh, photography, videography, etc., like. These are core interests to me. Like I, before I was doing what I'm doing now, I was a freelance photographer for like 15 years. I was in commercial art and advertising. So there's a lot of parallels between what I used to do and what I do now. And it's just, there's just so much going on in my head about this stuff that I, I can't funnel it out fast enough. Um, so I guess that gives me the reputation of being someone that has a lot to say. Um, and it's a difference if you do it also as a job, but yeah. I'm actually, I wanted to bring it later, but I think here's a good point to, to actually dig into the whole topic here and point of being a content creator is a totally different thing. If you look at battlefield compared to just being a gamer yeah. or being a gamer within a, a battle within the battlefield community, like let's say, I don't know. There are so many platoons and communities out there, right? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So we all have our own expectations and views on things from the needs we need, how we deal with the game itself, right? So yeah. how is it different as a content creator? And how how was the launch maybe a struggle or not a struggle? I don't know. I mean, everyone, maybe there are some people who actually gained from it. I don't know. How do you see yeah, it from so your perspective? So, I mean, starting from the beta with 2042, it was obvious that there was like a lot of work to be done, right? Like the game had performance issues, it was missing content, and it was really hard to judge whether those things were specific to the beta or like actual problems with development that DICE wasn't going to address in time for launch. And we, I think a lot of content creators and players gave DICE the benefit of the doubt because it seemed like, you know, okay, if they fix the performance issues and there's more content in the game, then we're kind of happy, right? Like it, it doesn't seem like it's missing a ton. Like, yeah, there's core features like the scoreboard and all that stuff, but it's also like, how hard could that possibly be to do, right? Like, you know, how much long, how long could it take? So as a content creator going into the launch, uh, covering the game extensively, all that stuff, like I was really excited because Battlefield was kind of back, you know, the marketing was really successful. People were really engaged and excited about the game. I was excited about the game. Uh, it had a modern setting. It was like, you know, Dice is back, like they're doing Battlefield 4, but it's modern, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, the specialist thing and people were kind of like, I don't know. And then launch happened. And like immediately, as soon as like the early access, uh, like pre-order thing hit, like, the wave of negativity just crashed down on everything. And I don't think it's undeserved. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I am going to be saying positive things about the game throughout the night, but I don't, again, I don't want people to mistake that as me being like some kind of apologist or making excuses for Destiny. I have a lot of criticism for them about just launching the game before it was ready uh, and how clearly it wasn't ready for launch. Uh, when we, you know, but hindsight is 2020. So, you know, when that wave of negativity hit, it's something I've seen with other games recently. And I think there's a lot going on behind 
what makes people so upset about games these days. Um, you know, Halo Infinite's a really good example. Phenomenal game. Like, phenomenal. The best Halo multiplayer has been since, like, Halo 3. You know, it's... 343 did a fantastic job. They nailed the, the feel of the combat, but there's no content. You know, there's no... The maps just aren't there. Like, they don't have enough maps. The cosmetics are they take too long to grind and they don't fit the theme of the game and there's not enough of them and they're not coming up fat. Like there's all this, these content flow issues. So even though also, the game is really I good. I have a question. I have a question yeah. about that because you're bringing up Halo. I have a, a good friend of mine actually in real life and he's absolutely Halo fan and he plays Halo like forever. Basically like I am yeah. a Battlefield fan. He's a Halo fan. And I asked him like, what's up? Because I don't have an Xbox. I don't have a PC. I never played Halo. I just, I don't know that game. I, I would like yeah. to play it, but I, I can't. So anyways, he told me that what's similar to Battlefield is that they also had a different developer team and the old developers were gone and new developers came in and they missed yeah. certain features which were at the core of the game. So it's yeah. very similar to Battlefield, right? Yeah. I Do think... you see that? I don't know. Because no, I, I don't know that much. There's certainly a parallel. Like there is, there's this idea, I think, that uh, – when a franchise becomes established, right? Like Halo 1 and 2 kind of set the tone for the future titles, right? Like every title has got to have co-op. It's got to have forge mode. It's got to have big team battle. It's got to have team slayer. It's got to have team SWAT. Like it has to have these core set of things that define what the ex expectation is of a Halo title. And Battlefield's the same exact way. You know, the everything between Battlefield 1942 and Battlefield 4 was like, this is what Battlefield is. And that evolved and changed and, you know, DICE expanded on some things, contracted on some, changed, you know, like there was a lot of evolution. And then Battlefield 1 came out and there was like major departures from the core Battlefield experience in a certain type of way. Like the weapon variety went from being you have your weapon and then you have your attachments for that weapon to you have weapon variations that are kind of predetermined and you can modify little things about them. And then Battlefield 5 went even further with that. It was like now you have these weapon specializations that aren't attachments but affect like what an attachment would like the mag size and all that stuff. And Battlefield 5 obviously had a lot of other things that were very different about it. But then 2042, it, it feels like two games trying to tear each other apart. You know, a Battlefield game and a live service game. And there was rumors that it was like initially being developed as a battle royale game. And that kind of makes sense when you like think of the like really cringy, like end of round voice lines when all of the, uh, the specialists or whatever mm -hmm. are like, you know, that's just how it works out sometimes. Or, uh, you know, I'm just better than you. It's like, it sounds like someone talking to a lobby of dead people that they just killed and won the match. You know, like it sounds like very individualistic and it doesn't fit the tone of the game. And it seems like one of those things where when you combine like the specialists and the end around voice lines and the, like the dramatic differences in tone between the marketing and the actual game, like there's no post-apocalyptic feel to the game to a certain extent. <laughs> uh, it's like, you wonder like, if the people that had made Battlefield 4 were still at DICE, would they have seen this stuff or even done this stuff and gone, nah, we got to change this. It's not right. You know, like, and I think a lot of people think that uh, with so many new people at DICE that it's just like they don't understand what the franchise is supposed to be. They don't understand what the game is supposed to be. And to a certain extent, I get that. Like whenever you have new people come in, it's like fresh eyes on an old idea it changes how the product 
evolves, right? Like it goes in different directions than maybe the legacy team would have done. And I think for the most part, like 2042 is as much a battlefield game as any battlefield game. And I also think that we've been playing battlefield games for like 20 plus years at this point. And if they change classes a little, it's just like, I don't know. Like if I wanted to go play a great battlefield game right now, I have so many options. I have Battlefield 3, Bad Company 2, Battlefield 4, Battlefield 1. Like those are all fantastic, amazing games. And there's nothing stopping anyone from going back and playing them. And they're content rich and they have an active player base and all this stuff. And I'm like, Battlefield 2042 needed to be the new best Battlefield game that everyone went out and played, right? Like that that is the only way it's going to be successful. It has to be better than what came before it. Wait, Players wait, 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 like wait. It. Let's, 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 yeah. sorry, sorry to interrupt you here, but let's dig no. into exactly what you just said before we lose that. I think sure. that isn't the issue here that because you said, I mean, if anyone wants to play a great Battlefield play or game, they just can go back to Battlefield 3, 4, or whatever type they prefer, right? Yeah. But I mean, the main issue is we don't want that. We want no, exactly. finally everyone be together on one. No, exactly. And right? I think that is that is the so, ultimate frustration with 2042 is that it offers portal mode, which is like it's it's supposed to be the destination for all Battlefield players. You know, all out warfare mode is supposed to be like the big headline experience that attracts all the players in. And when the game runs like ass on PC, has tons of bugs, is missing content, has big departures from what came before it, it's like and i think again like i said there's more to it than just the game i think there's a lot of circumstances surrounding the game surrounding how players communicate and engage about the game like reddit is the perfect example of why i think bossy's gonna get me in trouble yeah Uh, no reddit reddit is a really good example of like how the conversation about stuff gets really toxic really quickly and again, like it's not undeserved, you know, 2042 was okay. advertised as like, sorry, sorry man, I, I, I need to do that because I know you, you will just keep talking and we, we keep talking, yeah. but with you, I need to dig in. You always say so interesting things and then you go to the next one and the next one and the next one. Um, the connection, what you just said back to Halo, what I found yeah. interesting was the point of toxicity when you go to Reddit or Instagram or Twitter, whatever. The, the real difference looking at Halo, same issue, or similar issues, Battlefield. Battlefield can't post anything anymore. And it will be, you know, toxicity. Everything yeah. is toxic in every tweet they put out. So it's really difficult for them. With Halo, it's, of course, they also have toxicity, but it's not that bad. Why? Yeah, I mean, they and kind how- of trade its positions in terms of toxicity. Like, uh, Halo, oh, really? when it... What? Is it not that bad? Uh, no, I mean, Halo is improving and... Uh, okay, uh, this way. Okay. Improving. It's like they, get, they there's an ebb and flow to it, and I think uh, like when Halo Infinite was first, when people first started having like a negative reaction to it, um, the subreddit for the game just went into panic mode. Like every other post was deeply critical of the game to the point that the the moderators had to shut down posting for like 24 hours or something, and 2042 had basically the same thing happen where like, you know, there's this initial wave of like positivity and joy about the game since it's out. And then it came crashing down and it was like overtaken by like negativity. And again, 
I'm going to sound like a broken record saying this, but it's not entirely undeserved. Like there are legitimate things to be critical of. And I think there are a lot of fantastic posts on those subreddits that go into extreme detail about what people think is wrong with the game or why certain things should change. That is probably incredibly helpful to people working on these titles, but it's just so hard to find a voice for that sort of constructive criticism on a platform that essentially rewards engagement and people like engaging with things that are controversial or sensational more than they do balanced and nuanced and straightforward. Like you could have the most expertly crafted uh, constructive feedback for any game and you post it on a subreddit and it might get, you know, unless it's like someone really looks at it and they're like, Oh, that's really cool. I'm going to give it an upvote. Like, chances are some meme about like, you know, a broken texture is going to get more upvotes. And again, it's not a bad thing. You know, it's social media, live service games, all this stuff is like very new in a lot of ways and it's evolving and people Hmm. are adapting to it in interesting ways. And I think, you know, the pandemic had a huge impact on the way people interact online because you couldn't go outside for two years. You know, it was, it was rough and like a lot of people became streamers for the first time. A lot of people started using social media a lot more. People started pouring into Discord. Like all the numbers for all the platforms went way up during the pandemic. Like, you know, Netflix gained like millions of subscribers. Like it's it's uh it really changed the way we converse about stuff. And like I, you know, up until like Halo and how did it how did it change? Like can you give us some details, you know? How, yeah, so how, where are the influences like for the developers? I mean, we know a little bit about it. Do you have like more information like in details so we have a better picture? Yeah, so I mean I think a lot of the way that games used to be uh engaged with, whether it was from play, like gen- the general player base or like privileged people like the folks at EA or Ubisoft or Activision invites to give feedback before launch and stuff like, cause all the developers do that. Um, it was, a lot of it was in person, you know, a lot of it was people would go to E3 as just a regular attendee and they would play the game and they battlefield would have a community manager there. And like, if a bunch of people were reporting the same problem, they would be like, Hey man, this is important feedback that we should take back to the developers at some point. Or if like, you know, we're having a feedback session for a game uh, before launch, like Dice would be like, all right, what do you guys think? And if we're all saying like, Hey, you should change this, that, and the other, it's not that they'll do it. Like they're, they don't, there's no obligation to listen to the feedback. It's just that there's a huge difference between when you're sitting down in front of a person talking to them and when you're online just kind of leaving a random comment. Like there's a lot of intent and thought that gets, you know, totally changed based on how we interact online. And that's not true for everyone. Like a lot of people, they're the exact same person as they are online as they are offline. But I think just the massive influx of people going online and finding communities to engage with about the games that they're playing really changed like where the feedback is coming from, how much of it is coming. Like, cause you know, the game subreddit for any game is often like one of the bigger communities, but there's also YouTube comments and Twitter and and Facebook and all this, all these other platforms. And as more people 
went online to talk about games instead of like, you know, going over a friend's house and be like, man, this game sucks. Now they're going on Reddit and be like, man, this game sucks. You know what I mean? And I think ultimately like the pandemic stirred up a ton of uncertainty. Uh, And especially in America, we have just a huge, like economically and socially, we have so many issues that have happened over the past two years, like all the protesting and the elections and stuff. And people are just on edge and you know life is kind of just beating people down right now and it's like we live in a really strange time (laughs) and i think it's just one of those things where you have all these social media platforms attracting huge you know huge amounts of new people to their platforms and these platforms are designed for engagement they're not designed to better your mental health or you know foster positive social interaction or constructive criticism they're designed like you say a crazy thing and then a lot of people retweet or like it. And, Hmm. and I think like, you know, it not to get into politics or anything, but like alt-right extremism and like, like the return of like neo-Nazism in like, you know, this century is kind of crazy. And it's, it's something that has been facilitated by platforms like Facebook, not shutting down like, you know, hate groups and stuff. And, they are the po- most some of the most popular things on these platforms are like hate groups and it's just it's very obvious that social media was not equipped to deal with being responsible for like society and as more people go on it you know it's just it's a it's a whole fucking mess it honestly is i mean okay i mean but what what i heard of is i get it it slowed down the whole process they needed more yeah. time right oh yeah Okay. Um, I mean, that's understandable, but that I feel it doesn't explain how core features are missing. Because in the end, you should have a priority list. And if this priority list is not filled, it's simple management, then you can't go live. You can't put up, you know, you you can't give me a product. Yeah, I mean, I think Um, it's difficult. no, it's a big part of it is that they're trying to be a live service game, right? 2042 is positioned as a live service title that is uh, going to get content and features and updates as time goes on. It's an evolving product, all this stuff. And we've seen games launch kind of rough. Uh, off the top of my head, I'm actually struggling to think of any. Uh, but like, you know, Apex Legends is a good example, right? Like it launched and it was like super successful right off the bat. And then six months went by and it hadn't gotten a ton of content because the developers were like, clearly like, this is our last, like not to, you know, disparage Respawn or the people working there. Cause I think they're incredibly talented or anything, you know, whatever. But like, it was very clearly like, okay, we've launched two Titanfall games. And while they've both been critically praised, they're commercially not nearly as successful as we were hoping they would be. You know, we were hoping these games would be like the next call of duty. And while they sold probably well enough to break even or make even a little bit of profit, they're not like posting battlefield numbers, you know, they're not blowing the water open. And so they were like, all right, what if we did a battle royale game? You know, that's really popular right now. We have a core group of assets that we could just throw at it with Titanfall. And let, you know, we're really good developers that have a long history of making excellent multiplayer titles. Let's just see what happens. And so they developed Apex Legends and they were like, all right, we'll make if it's successful, we'll we'll, you know, put more content in, like a live service thing. 
And then it was super successful. And they were like, oh, crap. Now we got to build all of this stuff. Like, it was very obvious that they didn't have a year's worth of content pre-prepared for the game's live service. You know, they definitely had ideas for maps and characters and weapons and all that stuff kind of pre-planned. But it takes time to turn those plans into reality. Yeah. And I think with 2042, uh, EA and DICE, before you know, when they started pre-production, we're like, all right, we're going to do a really fucking massive game. We're going to do 128 players. We're going to throw, probably have a battle Royale mode, live service, tons of content, all this stuff, huge monumental effort. Like it is a miracle that any game makes it out the door, but it's especially a miracle when your game requires 128 players in every server. Like there are so many things going on that make it uh, challenging. And so, Let's pick up the question because you talked about Battle Royale quick from uh, P-Prof. He, he wanted to know, do you think they made a mistake by not trying a Battlefield Battle Royale in the beginning? I mean, they built these super huge maps. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really obvious that Firestorm was a failure, not because of it being a bad mode, but because mm -hmm. Battlefield 5 was incredibly unpopular at the time. And it cost $60 to play Firestorm, which was a lot of people thought was pretty decent, but had, you know, the looting kind of sucked. And yeah, it there should wasn't have been free, free to play. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. it should have been free to play. Mm -hmm. And I think the same thing is true with Battlefield 2042. Like, I think one of the three modes that's currently available, probably all at Warfare, should have been the free to play mode that everyone can just get. And you get like a certain amount of content with it, just like you would with Warzone or... Um, What's another game that has like a free, like Halo, Halo Infinite has like the paid campaign and they have the free multiplayer, like something that's just like, there is no barrier to entry. You can get in, you can try it, you can play it. And if you want to spend money on it, you can buy the battle pass or you can buy some other aspects that get you more access. And the fact that they didn't launch with a battle royale and that hazard zone is so clearly like just not good. Uh, it really blows my mind when they had the perfect template, which is Firestorm. Like, just take Firestorm, change it from a fire to, like, the eye of a hurricane, closing it on a thing. Like, there's so many things they could have done. You just, fly, think, you just fly out of the out of the combat yeah. zone and you're gone. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, I it's just, I can't believe that they didn't think to do it. Because if anyone, like, the thing that blows my mind about... <laughs> Battle Royales and Battlefield and the reaction to them is that if any game in any studio was equipped to deal with a large scale infantry combat mode that is also a Battle Royale, it is 100% dice, right? The mm -hmm. Conquest is basically like uh, every man for himself or every squad for themselves trying to capture objectives. And sometimes, it, you know, you get, you get an organized thing happening and you, you can really push as a team. But it's a sandbox, you know? You're, like, blasting Jeeps across the map with C5 and C4, excuse me. Uh, you know, you're sniping people from a mile away. Like, you're doing all this crazy shit. And now McKay can grapple hook onto vehicles. Like, there's all these amazing sandbox things going on. And it's, like, to not have that in just a Battle Royale mode that lets you loose is just, it's mind-boggling to me. Like, I, I'm sure it's a factor of that's what's coming out next year or something because they're moving towards at least before 2042 launch, they had made it clear that, you know, they were going to try and do multiple battlefield projects 
coming out one after the other in some capacity, mm-hmm. whether that's like a huge expansion, a huge expansion for 2042 or a battle royale. Like, I don't know. No one knows. They won't, they don't say anything anymore. Um, but yeah, like not having battle royale when you have the perfect template for one, is just like, it's weird. Cause like, yeah. And like Warzone is literally a carbon copy of Firestorm in so many ways. And, and it's I mean, like, we'll, we'll a wild time actually is talking about that. Then they bring hazard zone. And he said, like, um, um, there's nothing in there that makes me feel like it. Weaver's on code makes yeah. him sweat more. And here's the thing. I I, I actually I enjoyed Hazard Zone. The problem is, I mean, you can't find anyone to play with. Um, yeah. But what I didn't enjoy, or I think what, what was a big problem, um, Beard, please go back. <laughs> what are you doing, Beard, man? Um, all right. Sorry. That confused me. Hazard Zone. Oh, yeah. I think my biggest issue was there's no reward. You you yeah. go at the end, you go into this chopper and you see like extracted and it's like, mm-hmm. oh boy, I left. Thank you. <laughs> Sick. Yeah. No, like, I, it's, the funny it's, thing is like a lot of and, games that have this kind of extraction royale thing have that same problem. Like uh, the cycle, oh. they just launched. So the cycle came out in, like 2019 and it's a free-to-play PvP slash PvE extraction royale. Basically, you go in, you do some like PvE missions that give you credits, and the more credits you get, the higher on the scoreboard you are. And if you're at the top and you extract, you win. But it's like the only reason to keep playing is so that you can keep upgrading your gear so that you can play better. And the problem with Hazard Zone is, one, you get enough credits to be like, good enough at the game to always win like right out of the gate and on top of that it's like you're just playing on the multiplayer maps and while the atmosphere is pretty cool in hazard zone and it has a lot of things going for it uh, yeah there's there's no stakes it's like Mm -hmm. okay i lost okay next game i'll get like three bajillion credits and i'll be i'll have like i can get whatever gun i want and it's just it's so bizarre Uh, all right let's isn't there like a theme if you look now at battlefield 2022 you can see if you look at hazard zone no scoreboard that that there i mean it's a shoot repeat kill shooter right uh no wait the other way around whatever (laughs) um (laughs) whatever but the thing is that um i think we need we need this kind of competition in us right to see, you know, yeah. we want to be better. We want to evolve. We want to get good. And maybe we can, and it's not there yet. Maybe the first question for you, how do you think, what do they need to change so we get this feeling back of we want to be good at Battlefield. We want to play. Yeah. We want to evolve. Yeah, so the, the number one thing for me, and they kind of addressed it with the most recent patch, is performance. Like I... It's like headphones, right? Like, it doesn't matter if headphones sound great. If they're uncomfortable to wear, you're not going to want to listen to them. And when a game doesn't run well, especially on PC, like, I have a 3080 Ti. I have a Ryzen 3800 XT. I got 32 gigs of really fast memory. Like, everything's on an SSD. Like, I have what many covet in terms of a good PC these days. And yet, when I play 2042 on all those settings with DLSS on, like, balance mode i get maybe 80 fps in the 128 player modes and my performance is definitely better in the smaller modes but then like what's the point you know and it's just like a pc like mine should be getting hundreds of fps in a game like 2042 but in any game i have a top of the line system and 
it is so clear that there is like performance being left on the table on PC with 2042. Like it uses half my half of my computer's hardware basically. And that's it. And it's so frustrating to get into a match. The action starts popping off and then my FPS drops to like sub 60 FPS, which when you're playing on PC and you're used to like 120, 140 FPS, it like it affects how you aim with your mouse. Like you can, you can feel the lag that it causes. And for me, that's one of the biggest problems that Battlefield games have had since uh, like Battlefield 1 was pretty performant, but it had hitches. Battlefield Can it be 5. Fixed? Oh, I th- honestly, I think the fact that they're taking so long with the map reworks that they're doing, because, you know, they're doing uh, Kaleidoscope is like the first map that they're going to retrofit to be more in line with player feedback for season one. I think a big aspect of that is optimizing the maps, like shrinking them down a little, cutting out assets that aren't being utilized, uh, removing areas that no one goes to is all part of. Okay, wait, how does removing areas, removing stuff, and also fitting new stuff in the map help the performance? So, I mean, Mm -hmm. optimization is a huge aspect of game development that doesn't get a lot of conversation about it because people just assume, like, you click the optimize button in the engine, and then your asset, like, you know, for, like, if you have a bench, right, like, you want to place it as a prop on the map, like, you click the optimize button, and then the engine's just like, hey... Here's this perfectly optimized bench that won't cause a 20 FPS dip when players look at it, you know, and those are like the kind of little minute problems that you have to manually solve when you're doing optimization in a game. And I'm sure a lot of people will point out that like uh, glass store reviews and uh, past developers that have worked with Frostbite and at DICE have said like Frostbite's hard to work with or it's very complicated. And I think like, that's a whole aside, like just the sheer fidelity dice works that would make working in any engine complicated, but uh, taking out elements of a map, cutting out areas of a map and then adding new stuff in part of that process is, okay, the new stuff we're adding, we're going to spend time to make it more performant, make it more optimized. Uh, we're going to restrict uh, the, like just being able to change the level geometry such that like your elevations higher or lower you can cut off like huge sections of the player's field of view when they're on the ground if you make the ground lower. Mm-hmm. And that saves a ton of resources. So like if there's like a big hill where you can see the entire map in 360 degrees, like that is that is an area of the map that is going to hammer your computer or console. And if Dice can be like, what if we just put like a little dip in the terrain here? Are we just and not put ready? Some cover up? Are we just not ready for 120 players? <sighs> I mean, it's really tough to say because I think 2042 plays really well in like conquest mode with 128 players uh, when it, when it's running well and like, you know, people are coordinated, but it also doesn't feel any different from 64 players when you go back and play on there. Like the, the maps are just so much bigger that you're still getting sort of the same level of interactivity between players. I don't think it adds anything to the game. I don't think it takes away anything from the game aside mm-hmm. from the performance issues. Well, um, but that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, and I mean, that's I think what I'm that, talking about. Like, I mean, if, if if that's that's the solution. Yeah, if that if the compromise is we have less players and you get better performance, I'm in favor of that because I don't think it would make a difference in how the game actually feels. I think losing 128 players now that it's been such a headline feature would be like 
you know, people would be like, they're doing a performance and that's great, but they sold it as a, play, a game with 128 players per server and now they're taking that feature away. That's a lawsuit, bro. We got to sue. You know, like it would be dramatic, the reaction to something like that. And I think... Honestly, I, think... I mean, you have to... Don't you have to cut on one end now? I mean, imagine yeah. that. Just picture. they We have 64 as maximum for now. They can still go up if somehow they fix the issue whatever but i think what people would really want to see is something like close quarters like give yeah. us 16 versus 16 32 versus 32 i mean imagine having something like uh, what was the map maps called? the close quarters maps on battlefield 3 here uh, yeah damn i forgot all the names yeah the, the skyscraper one yeah zebra tower all those maps were, were great yeah I think if I would bring something like that people would scream and be like so happy to have you know these opportunities again um i don't i, I why not does there no, it's really frustrating that they don't have any maps like that like uh like even in portal mode all of the maps are sort of the the legacy wide open maps from the past games like there's no operation metro there's no zeba tower like there's no infantry focused maps really in 2042 aside from like manifest maybe and even that's like huge map with like just tons of open space and the the crazy thing to me is like battlefield 3 the servers run at like 10 hertz which is really slow so you know every time someone shoots or moves on the in the game that information is being sent and processed and received and transmitted at like 10 times a second which is super slow you know when you think about how fast you can kill someone in a video game it can take less than a tenth of a second so it when you go and play those close quarters maps or you go play Battlefield 3 today, like in general, you can feel how unresponsive the game is. You know, when you shoot someone, the hit markers feel somewhat delayed or like you'll die around cover a lot. And those are issues that the modern Battlefield games have really solved. Mm -hmm. Like since Battlefield 1 and 5, they've done a lot of work to make it so that the servers run really quickly and there's not a lot of latency and you still dive behind cover. You know, it's a fact of online gaming. But those maps, those close quarters, infantry focused maps from Battlefield 3 and 4 would play so well in 2042 because 2042, aside from its design problems and its performance issues, the networking is pretty solid. Like there, it's a very responsive game when you're getting good FPS. And I would love to play Zeba Tower in a game that doesn't have a 10 hertz server limitation because those maps have only ever been in Battlefield 3 and they're some of the best maps that DICE have ever made. And it would be great to have them. And like, it would solve so many 2042's problems, right? Like reduce the player count, get better FPS, have more content for portal mode that is unique and different and allows for experimentation, like all that stuff. And like, I always thought, my feedback has been that portals should be the portal should be the featured mode for 2042 it shouldn't be all at warfare they should be putting all of their resources into making battlefield portal like the thing everyone plays because it has so many options and like if you uh made the servers persistent and you added more content and you unlocked everything for everyone like oh my god it would be so good portal is just so limited right now what's What's working good for you in Portal and what's not? I actually so, wanted to talk about something different, right? The content. There was a content question. But 
Ah, yeah. What would bring players back? But maybe, maybe that's actually, I mean, it falls into the same thing. So, yeah, I mean, it's just marketing and content. Like, honestly, like, if 2042's marketing is proof of anything, it's that DICE can launch a game that everyone hates and then come out with trailers and marketing for a new game that everyone loves. It doesn't mean that the game's going to be good or not, but, like, 2042's marketing was some of the most successful marketing in Battlefield history. It was delivering You think marketing can fix fix it right now no i don't think marketing can fix the game itself but i think in terms of player sentiment like if dice tomorrow let's say was like all right here's the roadmap for season one's content we're gonna have these maps it's coming out on this day it's gonna have these new guns all this stuff and they released a really good trailer and a really good like blog post series from the community managers that really went into detail and explained how the game is changing and what's coming it would do a lot to improve how people talk about the game and how people interact and like you know people people want to know good things right like they don't want to go online and see a constant stream of negativity and so when there's a constant stream of negativity around the game and there's no sort of like counter to it from the developers that is positive like hey i know everyone's saying this stuff sucks and we agree and we're sorry for it but here's the deal we got this roadmap and it's got all the dates and all the content when it's coming out, blah, blah, blah. Here's this awesome trailer that really demonstrates why this content is worth coming back to the game for. And then they actually release it. You know, <laughs> that's the thing. It's like you can have the best trail in the world and you get people super excited. And as 2042 is the perfect example of when the game doesn't live up to the expectations set by that marketing, it doesn't matter if the marketing is incredible or not, people are going to stop playing. I uh, I read this book. I, I can't remember the title right now, but it was about how to change toxicity within a community. On some point, and it was a, it wasn't about marketing that book. And what I found interesting was that sentence. Um, it was basically, if you have a toxic community, don't try to change their minds and argue. Try to change their emotions. Yeah. And I love that because I think this is this is the main point right now. It's very difficult because it's so emotional. Yeah. And I don't think you can change it through giving us skins or um, which are broken. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I mean, that is like one of the biggest problems I've had in talking about the game is that because I'm not super emotional about it, I, I like I can just kind of sit back and say whatever I want. And it doesn't come from a place of like frustration or like I there are mm-hmm. as a content creator. And this gets back to what we were talking about with the like different expectations that people have based on the different things that they do. Uh, as a content creator, I have to watch out for any game that might seem interesting to people, which means I'm always, you know, reading reviews and researching other games to play in different genres and styles of game to play. And my backlog on Steam, like right now I'm going through the Batman Arkham games because I played Arkham Knight after thinking it would be terrible since, it, you know, because all the reviews were really negative when it came out and it mm-hmm. was fucking amazing and I love it. And now I'm going back to playing all of the games again. And there are just so many games pulling my attention away from games that aren't living up to my expectations that like I give my constructive feedback. I follow it to see when it'll improve. But other than that, like like I said, like I, I am a diehard Battlefield fan, and I am absolutely gutted and devastated that 2042 didn't meet expectations. But at the same time, I'm not going to beat myself up about it over you know the, however long it takes Dice to fix it for. 
I'm just going to go play other games. And that sends a huge message message to dice. Like, Hey, you're losing players. Like live service games are all about retention. So when you leave, that's like, that's a red flag for the developers. Like, Hey, we're doing something wrong because they optimize the game for retention. And you know, that's, the experience of your average player, like a person that goes to work and they come home and they play games for a couple hours is going to be completely different from my perspective and expectations and all that stuff, because they want to play battlefield. You know, they, that's the game that they're coming home to play every night. And when it's not a good experience or it's not something they enjoy, it's hugely problematic because there is no alternative, right? Like what other game out right now is like battlefield world war three, I mean, kind of, but it's like an indie game and it's still janky and doesn't, it has the same sort of lack of content issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's difficult. Yeah. Like Squad. Squad is an incredible game, but it's not on consoles and it's a milsim. And it's, well, it's one of the most approachable ones. It's, you can't just hop into that game and have the battlefield moments, right? Like you can't hop into the game and end up on a flag and there's like 60 dudes that you can see right in front of you. Like in Squad, you hop into a game, you get into, onto an objective area and you get sniped by some dude with an AK from like 300 yards away in a bush. And that's like, and then you got to like build the fob with the little shovel and you got to get the resources. And it's like all this micromanagement and battlefield is just like, sounds Hey, like work. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like work. And battlefield's like, Hey, you can be super technical and tactical or mm-hmm. you can put C5 on a Jeep and drive it into a tank and blow it the fuck up. Like, and there is no other game out right now that does that sort of sandboxy, large scale infantry combat game style. Are you, are you a fan of McKay? (laughs) I'm, I am some of the specialists. Like, I think it's really frustrating seeing people hate the specialists so much because while I don't like that, there isn't sort of a sense of rigid structure to each character. Like, you know, they're all kind Mm -hmm. of the same. They just have like one thing that makes them different. I love the grapple hook. I think it's a, I think it's a great addition. And like battlefield hardline had one and everyone mm-hmm. liked it in that. And I think the grapple hook, especially now that it can uh, latch on the vehicles. It. It's so cool. It's fun. Like I, yeah, it, maybe it's unbalanced. Maybe it creates a situation where you die, where you never expected someone to be there. Like I get that frustration, but at the same time, I'm like, it, all, get, it gives not... us so much more opportunities. I mean, yes, and th- that's that's the whole thing about. I feel the whole balancing topic. I mean, clearly there is some balancing issues still. You know, like on breakthrough, yeah. for example, um, air vehicles should be gone. I think um, it, it, it there are, there are some issues, but still, breakthrough is just not a good mode. Like that's the biggest problem with them. <laughs> it's just not fun to play. It's not fun to you've spent all this time fighting over an objective to capture it. And then you got to go capture the other one. So everyone leaves and then it gets, re- it's just, that's why rush works because you blow the thing up and then it's blown up and there's no going back. So the enemy team ha- like, you know what I mean? You didn't like it on battlefield five. No, no, I didn't like, I haven't liked. I, I kind of the- got used to it. It took a while for me, but I got used to it and I actually enjoyed it. I think for me, Breakthrough has another issue on Battlefield 2042. Breakthrough on, on, on 2042 is not the same as on Battlefield 5. Oh, yeah. And no, it's totally different. So so I, I think it's really difficult right now to com- first to compare both of them um, because yeah. it clearly doesn't work right now. But the question is, why doesn't it work? I mean, you clearly don't like the game mode, so you probably don't even care. You just want other game modes back. Um, well- 
Yeah, I mean, I think the mode design of 2042 is one of its biggest problems that no one's talking about. Like, uh, let's you know, there go are into so that. Many... That's a big one. Let's go. Let's do yeah, it. There's so many, there's, <laughs> there's so many legacy modes from Battlefield's history that it maps really tailored for them, right? Like Bad Company 2, Rush was its bread and butter. It had maps specifically designed for Rush that only worked well on Rush. And it made the Rush experience because it was so tailored incredibly enjoyable for players, right? Like everyone loved playing Rush in Bad Company 2 because it was designed for Rush. And Bad and uh, Battlefield 3, the maps were really well designed for Conquest. There was a lot of uh, positioning and maneuvering that you could do to capture flags from the enemy without it turning into just the team going around the map in a circle. There was always like a flow of or a direct a sense of direction to the flow of players through the map, even though it's like kind of a sandboxy open mode. And like, you know, again, rush and battlefield three was like amazing and like front lines and battlefield one, it's kind of like breakthrough, but it's better in that it condenses the, the combat into like a really specific zone of combat. And there's a back and forth to it. It's not, you have to make progress and then you go forward it's you make progress and then the enemy team can fight you back and who wins is determined by who who gets the farthest right and i don't think it's necessarily a great mode like i would obviously wish you know make rush great again blah 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 but 2042's problem is like it's got conquest and that's like the sandbox mode and it's got breakthrough and that's the objective oriented focused mode but it's just so the vehicle spams nuts the areas that you fight over don't provide cover for actually getting to those areas. So you, you know, you have all this combat happening in a really condensed area and then you'll have groups of players surrounding that area, preventing anyone from getting to it. And it makes it like you, you spawn, you run 20 feet towards an objective. You don't get to the cover area fast enough and you get taken out by a vehicle or a sniper. And it's just like a repeat process over and over and over. And, you know, like, I don't think Breakthrough is a bad mode. I just think that as it's currently designed, it doesn't really offer that level of engagement that players are used to from Rush or, you know, operations even. Uh, and that's like I a think the cool thing about The cool thing about Rush for me was that you really could make a difference as one player. Yes. Like, you could join. Like, I mean, if, if, if my friends weren't on and I had to join, you know, a random game for a couple of months, I still could have fun because yeah. I could do these flanks. I could put, put a spawn beacon, you know, behind the enemy. I could arm the objective by myself, uh, you know, and then my team could push up, whatever it is, but I could make a difference if I wanted to. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, in Breakthrough, it's I, like, what are you going to do? Like, oh, dude, I spawned and I killed three people and then I died. <laughs> and then we did that for 25 minutes and my team lost. It was so in, in threat. But in, yeah, you know, you're totally right. Like when I go back and play the old Battlefield games, I play those, I play Rush, I play Conquest, I play the classic modes. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I, as a player that is very experienced with the game, knows like, okay, I can get to the MCOM with this helicopter mm -hmm. and then I can bail out the helicopter, put C4 on the helicopter blow it up, create a distraction. And then I can go to the MCOM and arm that motherfucker and then I can put more C4 on that so when the enemy team comes and starts flooding the object, I blow them the fuck up. And I, can, and I alone was responsible for that fucking thing blowing the fuck up and us winning. And it's like only in Battlefield is a marketing term, right? Like DICE created only in Battlefield to sell Battlefield 4. 
Like they saw Battlefield 3 had these moments where players would do shit that was like amazing. And they would be like, oh, that's like an, that only happens in Battlefield. That's a whole ad campaign. And so. And that- yeah, and why that why don't they push for it? Why don't they? Why don't yeah, and even even more? Why don't they support it? Like I really don't understand the attitude of creating all this engagement, especially also with content creators with the community. They worked so yeah. hard on it, and they did a good job. And then they don't have these tools set up to integrate the community, and you know, like like I mean, the biggest events right now going are thrown by the community, right? Yeah, and. And I feel like DICE is watching, and I mean, they like to see it, that's all good, and and now even developers are joining some of these events, that's amazing, it's all great, but I feel they're missing something. I feel there should be something, some tools. They had it in Battlefield Five. they did these screenshot events, right? They were yeah. even talking about implementing, like, why don't they implement their VP photographer? Okay, they can, because they don't even have a spectator mode. Uh, it doesn't make sense, again, but um, yeah, it's... I, I feel I feel they're missing out. They're missing out on like let the ship go, you know, give us the, yeah. the tools and people would be excited to do so and and dig in and help out and help this ship go on. But there's just no in what do you say? Like uh what's the word? Incentive? There's no engagement with the community. Yeah, there's no incentive. There's no engagement from DICE with the community to make these things happen. Like the irony of Portal is that it is the most comprehensive and powerful custom server tool DICE has ever created for a Battlefield game. And yet we can't host persistent servers and there's no spectate client. So you can't have a tournament. You know, you can't broadcast an event. You can't go into a server that you set up with really particular parameters and shoot a machinima or, or a film. Like I can't go shoot a channel intro in 2042 unless i just get unless i'm okay with like just first person i remember i remember the tweet after the launch of the game where you showed other content creators how to shoot images so you have a clean thumbnail yeah yeah when you hold you turn the ui off and you hit that's how that's how desperate you become you know and that can't be i mean why do we have to work on like it's they're making it so hard to produce even content. Like even if you had content to produce, it's really they make it even more difficult. And yeah. <laughs> no, it's very frustrating. And like, you know, there's this this confluence of things happening all at once that is just so incredibly unnerving because portal, incredible. No way to utilize it for anything other than just I want to play this kind of mode in Battlefield tonight. Uh no spectate client. Uh, there's no ability for players to create their own modes where they can place objectives in Battlefield Portal or all at Warfare maps or whatever, where it's like, okay, if I want to make Rush, but I don't like these MCOM placements because they're unbalanced, like I can just pick this one up and put it in a different place on the map, and then that's my custom server. Like there's no ability to do that. And, you know, players have been asking for DICE to embrace the competitive community and give give them the tools and the support and have tournaments that are officially hosted. And I don't know what the roadblock is because obviously 2042 between portal and the quality of the assets that they're using, like all these things are like screaming, like, Hey, make the game really good. Give the community tools to, you know, foster a competitive scene for it and then host an official tournament with like a prize pool. I don't know what the roadblock is to that because it's so obvious that they could do it. But I think and I think a big part of why there's so many like what ifs about the game right now is that uh, the pandemic 
and weeks and player response have had a massive impact on EA and Dice's long-term plan for the game. Like, like I said earlier, you know, they had these huge ambitions for this game, but then the pandemic hit and, you know, it's hard to remember now, but if you think back to when the pandemic first started, there was so much uncertainty about like how long it was going to last, what the impact was, how you, how you were going to do your job from home and Sweden. And again, I'm not trying to be an apologist. I just, I want to preface this by saying I am not, this is not like me, like, Oh, dice is just, you know, you gotta be nice to them. No, you don't. They released a half big game and they should have known better. But is like, it about nice or not nice? Honestly, I don't even understand don't the know. discussion about nice or not nice. Look, if so, if you want to, if you, Alex, choose to, you can be critical or yeah. not. Yeah. Honestly. I mean, yeah, and nobody should just judge anyone mind. for... Yeah, don't anything, judge people honestly. for their opinion. Like, you can agree or, agree or disagree. It's, it's fine. And like, but like the thing with the pandemic is that DICE is a Swedish game developer and Sweden's COVID policy has been from day one, I don't know, just figure it out for yourself. Like they have no mandates. They had a really slow vaccine rollout. Uh, they encouraged people to make up their own mind about working from home or not. And EA and DICE obviously decided like immediately, like everyone's working from home. But you know what kind of a logistical nightmare it is? Essentially taking all of the the resources of a studio that is in a centralized location and distributing them to your entire workforce and then not knowing how long you have to do that for. So you're like, okay, do we give everyone like crappy laptops because they're only going to be out of the office for like two weeks? Or exactly. do we give them like do we give them like these badass PCs that can run the game at like insane frame rates because uh, they're going to be home for two years? We don't know. Oh, what's that? NVIDIA doesn't have any GPUs they can give us for new workstations because we bought all of ours before the pandemic and now they've completely run out because everyone needs them. Like there are all of these sort of logistical things alone that just make it such a fucking nightmare. Like I, you know, I would be homeless right now, basically, if I hadn't changed my entire career path because mm -hmm. of the pandemic. Like basically, like I was working as a full time freelance commercial photographer. I was shooting weddings. I was doing all this stuff. And the pandemic hit. And right before that happened, I got a job offer to go full time with video editing. And it's like work from home. It's remote. So I said, yeah, you know, I would hey. like a change in pace, whatever, you know. And then the pandemic happened. And I was like, dude, if I hadn't taken this job, I would have I would have no income. I would have been broke. And yeah. it's like you take that and that's like a microcosmic example of the clusterfuck that is moving hundreds and hundreds of people out of the office and having them still be able to do their job. And, you know, I think ultimately like it's proof that like offices are, they're like not good. Like people shouldn't have to work in an office if they don't need to. And I think that whole situation combined with the fact that dice could not do anything without it leaking and the player reaction to the game when it launched EA and Dice were like, all right, look, we fucked up internally. Like they they had that call that um, you know, weaker Tom Henderson made an article about where he was saying, like, you know, they compared uh Battlefield 2042's failure to Halo's success, like it overshadowed the game, blah, blah, blah. And that's not really what they said. But they basically admitted in that conversation to employees that like 
they had made a bad executive decision to launch the game in the state that they did. The words they used, the nuance that they used to sugarcoat that for their investors, because obviously it would leak, uh, you know, with notwithstanding, it's very obvious that they were like, we, as the leaders of this company, fucked up and told you to put the game out too early and are bad, bro. And it's just like they're very clearly pumping the brakes, taking in as much feedback as they can and trying to act on it. Right. And the thing that gives me hope, and this is like the only thing giving me hope, is that in every past Battlefield game, the post launch support for like the first six months has been dog water like ttk 2.0 battlefield force networking taking a year to fix battlefield one's balance issues still being problematic to this day like there are so many things about the past battlefield games and the way they were supported after launch that were just like so incredibly frustrating and every patch for 2042 has been a step forward it hasn't fixed everything it's some of them have introduced new problems or balance issues but it's like there's no TTK 2.0 update. There's no, hey, we completely fucked up this whole thing about the game, and it's going to take us three months to undo that fuck up. And in the meantime, like, here's a skin. Because they did that with Battlefield Five like, three or four times, as, as, as far as I can remember. And, like, it's such a complete 180 from DICE's previous way of supporting their games, where it seems like the Battlefield 2042 team that's working on the game currently has a clear and cohesive vision for how they want to execute on updates. Like there's no, cause like the big thing with TTK 2.0 was that one of the, one of the lead designers at dice had this idea that the armor system in firestorm should also be in regular multiplayer. And that having that armor system in there would function like the TTK change that they tried doing. Like it was like, they were like, okay, well that's, let's let's argue about this internally and not come to a cohesive decision so he's not at dice anymore right he's not no, there he's anymore gone. yeah he yeah, left he's gone. yeah and um you know so they they were like okay instead of instead of doing the armor system and doing it the right way and rebalancing all the weapons let's just make this guy happy and raise the ttk across the board i'm not saying that's what happened i'm just saying like as an outward observer it seems like you know the lead designer wanted to do things there was a lot of resistance internally and it would have worked if he got in his way or there was team cohesion, but there wasn't. And so what we got was TTK 2.0 and there hasn't been that sort of like dice is split down the middle on a thing that they're trying to change and they're going with the worst possible way of doing it. Like it seems like, Oh, specialists need to be reworked. Okay. Data minds have shown that there are, making a combat meta class or something and it's like that sounds like what battlefield players are asking for they want more clearly defined roles for the specialists that make them more like classes and less like one-man armies with like infinite med crates uh that um, recent battlefield friends episode hit hard but <laughs> i got a while back a little bit because you talked a little bit. i have only one question actually here also from the community um mm -hmm. about because you uh, talked about the comp scene um, have you watched on Battlefield 1 or 5 anything from from the comp side? And do you see would you, do you see there any future? Do you see it's worth to invest in any type of, of comp? And what would you like to see? I think it was a question. So I have I obviously as someone that follows gaming news for a living, I see a lot of what goes on in the esports scene and a lot of what makes esports games work or not, right? 
battlefield without rush mode or without some objective mode that serves as a key focal point for players and viewers to focus on just doesn't work. If like I've watched battlefield five, uh, competitive events because a lot of the, a lot of my peers in the content creator space were hosting them and commentating on them. And they were really fun and they were like, you know, focus modes. Like it was like eight V eight or 12 V 12 or 16 V 16 rush with like one vehicle per team. And it was like, it was fun because it was like, okay, these players are on this team and they're going to this objective. And once they blow that up, that's like the win or loss. Like it's a very binary thing. And every major competitive game that's been successful has had like a binary win-lose state. That's very obvious and easy to follow. And 2042 doesn't have, unless they use like rush mode, from portal like it doesn't really have that and then there's no spectator client all this stuff and it's like i 100 think it's worth investing in especially for a live service game where like the the game being a household name is what helps make it more successful and profitable esports is a great way to get into people's homes on people's twitch feeds you know with the game like an official capacity that doesn't require the marketing department create like tons of trailers and stuff and like spend all this money on like you know two minutes of footage that advertises a new feature like it's it's such an easy way to generate content about the game in an official capacity basically for free you know the players do all the hard work and i think it's worthwhile but i don't know the fact that dice and ea haven't done it already just makes me question everything like why not you know get the game in a really playable state uh make season one an absolute banger win people back which i don't think they can do in full capacity like they've done so much damage with the launch of this game that there's no way it's going to have a hundred thousand concurrent players just because they added some maps you know it's this is a long-term thing they're gonna have to support this game for years to earn back that sort of trust but you know what? Let's dig let's goes... let's dig into that. I think this is an important more point. First of all, we yeah. could talk about um what is on your priority list to dig Battlefield out of its misery. Second. Yeah. Second. Sorry. Um we had now a question, I think, by P Prof actually, and I think that was very interesting. Um and it's it's yeah. <laughs> It's very specific. Do people want skins? Um, how about something meaningful for winning rounds or what and kind of playstyle and teamwork? And I think what we could talk is like, how do you get players back? How can yeah. you get them to invest in the game? Because I think in the end, these both two things are connected. Absolutely. Like, as far as like what would redeem the game and what I think it needs to dig itself out of the hole, it needs more content. It needs all of its bugs and uh, issue, like major issues sorted out so that they're not like repeat occurrences for players every night they go on and play. Uh, they need to fix the matchmaking system, especially for people in low uh, player population areas so that it will prioritize putting everyone in servers with each other rather than creating new servers that are full of AI bots, hoping that they'll fill up with players. Uh, because I know people on the West coast of America that, they can't queue for breakthrough matches without every match being full of bots. And it's like, you live in America, one of the game's biggest player populations. And what, and it's like, you can't get a breakthrough match. And meanwhile, I on the East coast have absolutely no problem getting 
mostly full matches in any mode. And it's like, there is very clearly something going on with the matchmaking, but that's like a minor thing. But like, really it's content performance, bug fixes, and then reworking the maps that are already there to align with what players have been saying, you know, put more cover, get rid of all the open space, thematically update the maps that they fit the tone of the post-apocalyptic climate change destruction narrative that the game has uh you know put some graffiti put a bunch of debris all over the place blow up some fucking buildings add destruction in a meaningful way and those are things they can do uh in part like kind of if they go back and rework the maps but future maps they can really do that sort of thing you know like going back and fixing a map takes forever because you got to like rework the whole thing but if you start with the objective of creating a map that fulfills x y and z things like lots of destruction post-apocalyptic look and feel all that stuff it gets okay people... but listen listen how long yeah. do some how long do they need to create one map and i think that i think it's about i think i heard in an interview before that one map depends on how big it is could take one to two years yeah so there are there's a really wide range and people love blaming it on frostbite but i think it's mostly that if you look at the maps that DICE makes, every texture is photorealistic. Every asset is like expertly modeled and very realistically modeled. And doing doing work at that level of fidelity when you don't already have the assets in hand takes forever. It takes like 11 months to make a detailed Battlefield 5 map. So God knows how long it takes for 2042. But the thing is, in Battlefield 1's life cycle, they released... Uh, a night map. I'm going to butcher the name. It's like pre to tau or something. The, and it took them like, it took like a team of mappers, like six weeks or something or six months, like not even it took, it was basically, they measured it in weeks rather than months to build that map. Maybe not the finished version, but Knights. like, to, yeah, Neville Knights, like, Knights. but it, it was because they, they had the assets from building the rest of the game already in hand and they're like, let's just take those assets and throw them on a new level. And so with 2042, it's like the things players are asking for are things that I don't think players realize what they're asking for. Because you're essentially asking for a different art style, high fidelity, destruction and environments, uh, new cover in areas that didn't have cover. All this stuff, like it, you're asking for a lot of things like brutal expectations, right? But at the same time, it's like, that's what the game is supposed to be. And so there's like no excuse. And I think it's much easier to fulfill those expectations by making new content and reworking existing maps is kind of like secondary to that. Like you can make Kaleidoscope fun to play, but the time and resources it would take to make it also look like a post-apocalyptic apocalyptic climate change devastated war torn map is going to be way more than let's just start from scratch with that in mind and make that map happen because you have to go back and replace all of the ground textures on kaleidoscope with like uh you know a bunch of new ones and it's like okay well we just have the the, the apocalyptic texture pack and we just make the game with it or make the map from it uh scratch with them and it's like there's just so much involved in map design. And I, you know, again, people love to point out the issue is frostbite, but I really think it's either they don't have the tools developed to make maps quickly 
or that they work at such a high level of fidelity that creating new assets just takes forever because that's how it takes, you know, go, go download unity or unreal engine and see how long it takes you to make a donut following a tutorial. It'll take you a a week to make like a poorly modeled, like semi-realistic looking donut, unless you use blender and then it'll take you a day. Uh, but it takes forever. And the biggest question I think people have is how long is too long? You know, how long, how long can dice push new content out to where they hit a point of no return, where there's no winning players back, no matter how good the content is. And ultimately, like, I don't, I don't know how long that is. Like the summer is too long, you know, season one launching in June, if it launches in June is too long, you know, that that's content that should have been out in January, in February, you know, like it should have already happened. And like we've talked about a lot, you know, there's so many factors that went into dice pumping the brakes and EA pumping the brakes and focusing on the bigger issues with the game that it's led to all these delays. And I genuinely think like Battlefield 2042 is never going to fully recover to its like launch peak numbers. But if they come out with an excellent trailer or excellent marketing campaign with detailed information coming out of the developing development team through blogs and developer vlogs and you know all sorts of media content and it has lots of content you know multiple big scale maps that are really fitting the tone of the narrative that they're trying to push with the game the big specialist rework more weapons all this stuff it would make a it would make a world of difference no matter how long out it takes like if it you know obviously if it's not to like out if it's not out until like the holidays that's a huge problem because no one's going to be left playing it by then for sure. I I see the problem, but I, I'm not, look, I'm not sure about the time thing. If we're talking about bringing us new content um, at this point, I don't think it matters anymore. I think to get people back, you have to, uh, you have to show real change that the game is fixed first. And yeah. and best case, what I would like to see is they they keep bringing these updates, they keep changing, basically, or fixing the bugs and the core changes. Like for example, last uh, Friday I played with the clock community man from Logan the Bowler, mm-hmm. and I and I played singly by myself, and I just joined a squad, and then I tried to switch. You know, I was live streaming, I tried to switch the squad, it didn't let me. Then yeah. I figured out, okay, it doesn't let me because probably the squads are all full, and then. Two game developers actually joined my squad uh, by accident. And then we had a wonderful round together. It was so much fun. I didn't talk to them, but they were a really good team player. It was really fun. We had a lot of fun. But after that round, it switched me to another squad. And I was like, and then I couldn't switch back. And I was like, why? You know, what's going on? And it was every round, it's the same issue. And I thought like, okay, matchmaking doesn't work. You know, you get switched to a different squad. You can't even pick it. Um, And I feel if if they could bring... And these are, for me, these are like little things, but significant, they are significant for me. No, they're huge. And if they could, yeah. And if, I, if they could switch, if they could fix all these things, including performance issues, and then bring on top, like hopefully July or something, good content that is balanced and worked out, you know, then I'm happy to wait personally. This is for yeah. me personally, right? And for me, that would be enough because I just want to see they learned and they try to fix it and they, actually manage to do it if they now push again for another release that is half ready just because they feel they need to push something out 
I don't think that works either. Do you? Yeah. No, they they need to take their time. Like that's been Dice's biggest problem since like Battlefield Three launched. They don't take their time, and Battlefield One was the last time where they really took their time and developed a, a competent game for launch day that was fully featured, content rich, etc. And like, yeah, you know, Battlefield One is the most successful game, so I think it says something about what happens when Dice takes their time and really commits to a launch. But I also I I totally agree. They have to fix the fundamentals. Like CS:GO is per, the perfect example, right? Like CS:GO, it has like the same core map pool that it's had for twenty years. The pros have been playing this Dust Two for since forever, since nineteen ninety nine or whenever it came out. And the thing that keeps players coming back to CS:GO isn't. I mean, it's partly skins, it's partly, you know, new additions to the game, but it's mostly that CSGO is an incredible experience. You you open that game, you launch that game, you can get into a party with your friends easily. You can play any mode you want easily. You can get into competitive or casual matchmaking options quickly. Uh, once you're in, it's basically a bug-free experience. Like, I know there's cheaters and there are bugs in CSGO that, like, Valve needs to fix and still haven't fixed after years. But when you compare the experience of playing CSGO with your friends to playing Battlefield 2042 with your friends, there's basically no party system in Battlefield 2042. There's no squad management in 2042. Uh, if If one of your friends crashes, you all have to basically leave the server you're playing on because your squad will automatically get filled with other players and there's no way for the game to kick people based on their party uh, affiliation, right? So if you're in a party with your friends, you have four friends, you're all in a group together, one of them drops out, the game will automatically fill that slot with a random player and it won't give a player in your party priority over that player and switch you guys around. So you can't even have the time join the game because it's trying to put you in a party that's full even if the server still has slots open. Like it's, there are, there are so many levels of fuckery to just getting into a match with your friends in 2042 that it's like, it doesn't matter if they made a great map. If I can't queue up specifically for that map with my friends without losing the party, why would I want to play? Like, it's so not fun. And Battlefield 4 had like the same problem where you would get into a server and the party system wouldn't work. So you couldn't invite your friends to the game for some reason. And then the game would crash because it was super unstable. And so you'd all have to rejoin and you'd have to find a new server because the party system doesn't work. So you have to manually join each other. And it's like... Remember on Battlefield 4, I think they still have this squad join system, but nobody uses it yeah. because it's not you working. You can't. It doesn't work. Until today. It, it doesn't it work. It literally you're, doesn't you're always, work. You always set your own system. Like, yeah, join through the party. Or no, yeah, you have to click on my profile and then go in my yeah. game or something. It was really complicated sometimes. Yeah, I remember that. It, it always yeah, and like, how can that be okay explain it to me like a dumb person how can that be so complicated to so i mean there's a lot a of factors that is easy yeah there's a lot of factors in how matchmaking and party systems work like you have to keep in mind that like the if your game is cross-platform it really complicates things right because you have you have to mm -hmm. deal with yeah, players course. on xbox going through xbox's network you have to deal with playstation players going on playstation's network pc are they using Origin or are they using Steam or Epic Game Store? And they all have their own infrastructure for managing how players even appear online and connect to the internet through their services. So when you try and combine them, it's like it's like trying to send pieces of mail to people all over the world 
And no one in those countries that you're sending the mail to speaks the same language. So you have the mailmen have to be the translators. And it's really challenging to do that right. The thing is, I think the reason it's so hard for Dice in particular is that they use Origin. They use their own matchmaking system, basically. And so when they go to the Epic Game Store or they go to the PlayStation Network and say, hey, we need to put these two players on different platforms together in the same party. They are having to figure out how the PlayStation Network works. You know, they have to go back and forth with Sony, get documentation on the API, build a translation layer for their for Battlefield's matchmaking system that says, okay, when you search for a PlayStation Network user, you have to do all these, uh, you know, jump through all these hoops to get them in with another player like there's all this shit that has to happen perfectly and if it doesn't it just you you end up in a fail state and i don't think it's excusable that that's still a fucking problem like it's been a problem in battlefield games since battlefield 3 basically and it's inexcusable that it's still a problem today and i think the the biggest issue is that they don't use steamworks which is valve's uh, server hosting platform for Steam, obviously. And developers that use it, it's like you get the Steam server browser, you get the Steam matchmaking options by default. And it's just like you drop in and you go. And it's like... It's actually you know, interesting because, listen, people says like, doesn't COD use their own platform also? also. Yeah, so... Yes, but they have also issues. Yeah, they have tons of issues. I have I have tried playing Warzone with my friends uh over the like multiple times over the past couple years and it's like we'll have someone someone's game will crash and i'll have to rejoin but you can't join a match in progress obviously uh we'll have issues where like i send an invite but did i send it to your activision account or your steam account or your call of duty account like there's so many different accounts i can't join i always can push the join button like it doesn't let me yeah restart your menu that's our fix we always just all everyone has to restart the menu and then it works yeah, basically any game without a that doesn't have a centralized matchmaking system that's universal for all platforms has these issues. And I think it is one of the most fundamental problems that game developers need to solve for the future. And I think the fact that Battlefield 2042 servers dissolve after every match is evidence that rather than fixing that the party problem, they are mm-hmm. like what if we just made it so that like the matchmaking automatically does everything for you and everyone just plays on their own? Like, I'm not saying that's what Dice specifically is saying because I don't I don't want people to take my words. It and be like, oh, like he's saying that's mm-hmm. yeah. It's it's like because again, live service games are all about retention, and one of the big problems with past Battlefield games was that you would get servers that became one sided and unless your server was running a custom balancing script or dice's auto balancer kicked in that server stayed one-sided until everyone left which might not be ever and so they solve a huge retention issue for the players that are getting dominated on that server by making it so that server gets ejected from the matchmaking system and replaced with a new one in between every round and then dice's matchmaking can go okay we have this like you know group of players let's use score-based matchmaking to ensure an even distribution of skill across all the players in the server. And boom, you have a new server. Like how many matches have you had in 2042 that are absolutely lopsided? 
it's probably not that many. It's not like breakthrough. Obviously, it's more of a balance issue that the attackers rarely win on certain maps. But like in conquest, like I my games are always relatively close. I'm always relatively high on the scoreboard, and it's kind of like a good experience until I try to play with my friends. And I think there's just a huge priority on retention and fixing the retention issue more than accommodating the 5% of players in the world that actually use party systems. Cause let's be real. Like most people don't play with their friends. Most people are just hitting matchmaking. And that's why battle Royale was so successful because you're playing by yourself most of the time. Like I don't, I don't have friends that are up at 2am playing battle. Actually I, my friends are fucking idiots. They, they are up that late, but the point is like, it's about retention. And I think it's just, they, most developers think what's what, what we have now for party systems is adequate and that they're focused more on providing a good live service retention oriented matchmaking system. What do you think about server, server browser, I can't even talk anymore, server browser. Was this matchmaking then? I, I had the feeling like you think matchmaking is enough for us or did I misunderstand? No, no, no. I, I think Level Cap actually put out a video this past week or the week before talking about how this is a huge problem for Battlefield 2042 where there's no way to select matches in progress, right? There's no way to go into the, in all-out warfare mode at least, to go into a server browser and see what maps are available, see what modes are available and see what has like an active player count and just join in that. Like there's no way to say, I don't want to play kaleidoscope. I want to play hourglass or manifest and queue specifically for that. And it doesn't have to be a server browser. Like I think server browsers are really powerful tools, but I don't think they're necessary when your game isn't about that customized experience. Like Portal is its own mode, so it needs a server browser. But for All Out Warfare, I would like the CSGO way of doing it, where you select the maps that you want uh, from you know a list of options. You can have your friends queued up with you or not, and you hit go. And when you do that, it looks for servers that are populated with those particular maps, and it throws you into those matches. Um, and right now, what 2042 does, it just says, okay, this player wants to play the game, finds random server that has some players in it, boom, you're playing. It doesn't take into account what map you just played. It doesn't take into account your party uh, getting split up in the last match somehow. Like It doesn't take those things into account, and that's like the, the nuance that their system lacks that it really needs. It just needs a way. Like It doesn't necessarily need a server browser, but it 100% needs a way for players to just find I the map they want to play. I, I like that, for I Portal, play. I think it's essential and I think they kind of delivered on it. But like hmm. I think a server browser wouldn't really work for all that warfare just because every match gets dissolved after the round ends, which is uh it's an infrastructure thing, right? Like they design it on I purpose mean, so that Okay, then two things. Maybe there's another solution. Maybe the solution could be you have a matchmaking system in all out warfare, and all out warfare gets more options like TDM, domination, whatever it is. Yeah. But then again, you have portal where you have a server browser and you can actually look for whatever you want to look for. Um, and for me, it was really, I was thinking about, yeah, you can't see if there are bots on, right? On matchmaking, no, of course not. Not but in matchmaking, but on, on Portal. You, on I think in Portal on, you can. On Portal you can, right? I, I was thinking, I'm not sure anymore. But guys, in chat, help us. Can you see on Portal if you can yeah. see the bots actually, if you join a server? 
No, I mean, this I was just, I, I was just thinking, sorry, I was just thinking, we had the podcast the other year before, uh, I was, I think in July, and we talked about everything with um, Flagfire, Neon, and everyone, and there we had actually exactly this point that everyone feared, like, um, I mean, what if I don't want to play with bots? And I feel like this is still a yeah. thing where people feel like lost, like, give me the opportunity, I mean, we don't have enough people as well, but yeah. it feels like, um, what can we do there? Can we do something so, there? You know the Shia LaBeouf meme where he's like, he's like this, and he's like, do it, right? Portal is this. It is the, just, it's right. There. You have the thing. Yeah. You want a server browser. You want no bot matches. You want all warfare size modes. It, it's in the portal is there. The mm -hmm. problem with portal is when the player that hosts the server dies in real life, which God forbid, or just stops playing the game for the day, their mm -hmm. server goes poof. So then it's not there anymore. And if port, if they made portal the featured mode and they were like, all out warfare is our free to play mode that anyone can play. And it's just 120 players. You get these six or whatever specialists, blah, blah, blah. Have fun. There's a battle pass for it. They made, if they were like portal is now the focus of this game. <laughs> it would solve so many core complaints. You you would have your server browser. You would be able to filter out bot matches. You'd be able to pick the map you actually want to play. Like it has it has all of those tools already. It's just the problem is all of the servers people are creating are like uh a regular mode, regular map rotation, regular rules, or zombies with uh everyone has a knife and you move at half speed and if you want to reload you have to jump 17 times like there is no in between of like hey squad rush matches are a thing now mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and that is like the big problem with portal is that there's just no they got this but they they they, they can't they can't do it just do it do you think making a service too complicated there should be um like a something which is similar more to the options you had on Battlefield 4 and making servers, which is like. Yeah, they need like a, I, I, I appreciate the depth of portals, server creation tools, but at the same time, if your goal is to come home and play a few matches of rush on bad company, two maps, it takes like a good five minutes to properly configure the server to do that. And I think basically what Dice Hi. needs to do is, yeah, yeah. It Dice, Dice needs to take the the featured modes they've created that are popular and mm -hmm. populate a list of preset options that recreate those featured modes so that when you go into Portal, you have the option of like, I just want to do, you know, uh, a completely custom thing. Or I went, I remember there was this, you know, like infantry mode that was like infantry only conquest on like 32 players on specific maps that DICE added as a, like a featured highlight mode or whatever. I just want to click that button and then the server's ready to go. They definitely need a, a faster way of doing things. And again, like it is so, Portal is so powerful. It is like people were making like, flight training modes where the the ai npc uh, ai soldiers were like in a ring that you flew through and you got points for flying through the ring successfully like the fact that portal enables that kind of insanity is it's impressive 
And it's just, there's roadblocks to making it accessible. Like it's powerful, but it's inaccessible. And then on top of that, you have all of the issues that prevent a large player population from utilizing it, right? Like persistent servers and uh, a focus. Like right now, if you go open Battlefield 2042, the the before you get into any of the menus, the first thing you're presented with is all at warfare, war zone, uh, war zone, uh, hazard zone, and portal. Portal is the last one on the far right. And in English-speaking countries, which is a huge portion of the game's player uh, population, we read from left to right. So you think either the middle one or the the first one on the left is like the primary mode that you're supposed to play. And then Portal's all the way over there. It's like a UI issue almost. (laughs) Like it's all the way over there. And it's the most... And I think instead of... I think they really need to make it like, hey, Portal, bar at the top, right? There's a bar that goes across the whole thing. And it's like Portal. Uh, you know, legacy experiences or portal, like some sort of advertising for portal that's like attractive. And then you have your all out warfare button and you have your uh, hazard zone button, which is grayed out because they canceled it and they're making a proper battle royale. Uh, that's a pipe dream. Obviously, I don't know if it's happening, but they really need to make portal more of a focus because the featured modes are some of the best battlefield I've ever played. I've played the other night uh, with some friends of mine and it was like 1942 conquest versus like battlefield four soldiers and it was fucking awesome dude like i had a i had a rocket launcher and there was helicopters and i was a world war ii soldier shooting a panzer fast panzer faust excuse me or i don't my german accent's bad panzer faust panzer faust at a fucking like a black hawk dude and it was Mm -hmm. it's like it's exactly what battlefield is all about it's the sandbox experience where anything can happen but only in battlefield and i I love actually i love actually i love actually that they give these feature change modes uh all the time i think that's a good feature actually i like that um it's a good idea but i think also there should be again an opportunity to include the community to say hey you could be one of these featured modes yeah Right? No, totally. Bring it, bring it, it on. You know, there's a back and forth. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. dice has their featured modes, and players say we like this or we don't like this, or they go on player population, and that's kind of it. There's like no, there's no what. Like, it doesn't seem like there's someone at dice going on the server browser every morning and going, man, what are players making? Uh, you know, it seems like they're like, hey. Hey, game, hey, mode designers at Dice, what are you cooking up this week that we can throw at the game? You know, and uh, I don't think it's bad necessarily that they're like making most of the modes themselves, but there's definitely community modes. Like, imagine if Jack Frags was like, hey guys, remember how when the game launched, there was like that core trail that was a trailer that was like, hey, we got like, you know, uh, redacted, made the EOD bot versus tank thing. And you had, um, what's his name? Uh, the big Call of Duty YouTuber that they got. I forget what it's Nick Courage. Nick, or Courage. The, yeah. yeah, Courage had a mode, like VPI Fiesta or whatever. Mm-hmm. Hey, remember how DICE was doing that? Jack Frag's Squad Rush Battlefield 3 maps. It's a thing now. You can go play the official map, and if you use creator code Jack Frags, you'll get 10% off uh, a Battlefield 
three custom skin or something. Like there is so much opportunity to create that like bullshit marketing hype live service dynamic that does is just mm-hmm. either left on the table for when they have they're in a position to actually deliver it properly, which is thumbs up, or they're just not even considering it, which is like as someone that kind of dislikes live service, I appreciate that like maybe they're more focused on just delivering content for free and hoping people pay for skins at some point. But it's like, dude, they could they could solve so many problems by just reaching out to the community and being like, hey, we want to get players interested in the game. What are the portal modes that you'd like to see in the game? And then we'll put that mode on the main menu so that people know like, hey, this is a thing you can play and it's fun. Because mm-hmm. like that's like a huge problem too. Is like to see what what modes are really popping in Portal, you have to launch the game, click the Portal tab, uh, look at the featured modes, or go into the server browser. Like there's so many steps with All Out Warfare. It's you click on All Out Warfare, then you click Conquest, and you're gone. And that's that's kind of it. And Portal needs that thing where it's like, hey, this week's featured mode is, you know, Last Man Standing from Battlefield Five. Boom! You click that, and it's like one click, and you're in. And it's just so much like I understand that it's not a one-to-one recreation of the legacy battlefield games in portal. Like I get that there's a lot of technical things that are tied to 2042 that make them feel different, but in terms of depth of content, there's way more maps in portal. There's way more weapons in portal. There's way more classes that you guys like in portal. And it's just honestly it's like what I there. honestly what I, I don't know how you feel about it. I want to ask you because how I can't get warm with when I join on portal, uh let's say what what is it? Bad company two server or whatever, something of the old maps. And then you have seven guns or yeah. something, right? I hate that so much. I yeah. I can't I can't. No. I can't. I I think I will never get warm with that. It's like, yeah, they they really need why? to just. It's... They need to. I mean, obviously, there's like you know, you can set up a server so that it includes more options for weaponry and stuff. But they really need a mode that's like here is all of the weapons in the game, like across all of the different legacy games, uh, 2042's weapon selection. Here's everything. And they all there's like no restrictions, no limitations. You can have your primary, your secondary, blah blah blah. It saves the attachments. Like they need that kind of mode where it's like when you click that button, you know what experience you're gonna get. And a big reason that Dice went away from custom servers for a long time was because players would complain that when they click a server, they don't always know what's gonna happen, right? They don't know if it's gonna have inflated ticket count or if certain weapons are gonna be disabled or if they're going to get kicked for using certain weapons. Like, there were all these mm-hmm. unknowns. And yeah. so they tried solving it with RSP and with really limited server tools. And then veteran players like me and you and, you know, the mm-hmm. the competitive guys were like, hey, listen, we don't have a server browser, so that kind of sucks. And Dice was like, okay, uh, what if we just gave you everything? But not really, because Portal still has weird limitations. Like, you can't have... 2042 soldiers with battlefield three weapons in a 1942 map like you have to there's certain combinations you have to stick to and it's like for in terms of and then on top of that accessibility is really challenging so it's just i think that i think the the biggest thing is really usability 
if they yeah. manage to make it usable so i like listen for me i hardly have the time right now to play anymore i just have a really busy life so for me mm -hmm. it's really important i have to switch on and i want to i have to use every second i can to actually play and enjoy the game because they probably have like one hour or something or one and a half yeah. you know and so I can't make a server. It's, it, it, I mean, okay, besides that, making a server, filling it up takes time, et cetera, et cetera. But for me, every second counts. And I think many people feel like that this, uh, today, yeah. you know? So usability, I think, is a really, really big thing. And, and also, I mean, in the end, it's about how can, I should be about how can we help people have fun with a few clicks and, if it's just joining a server with your yeah. friends, it doesn't even have to be creating a server, just finding the right server and join it. And I remember how, how would you actually, that's maybe a question. Um, by the way, guys in chat, uh, we have only like 15 minutes now. We have to wrap up actually the podcast because Anaxia has to go. Um, so if, if you have any last question, or you think we missed anything today, uh, maybe you should just bring it up now in chat. I saw a few questions before, and I'm sorry I didn't pick it up. But it's sometimes it's just difficult uh, to put it in, you know, into the conversation. But I read everything, and thank you so much, everyone, for for really bringing all these amazing questions and your thoughts in here. Um, it's it's a really great conversation here, also with you guys in the chat. I, I see everything here, so thank you. Um, so back back to that thing. I lost my thought. What was my question? You're talking about um, like making it usable and people having limited time to uh, play. Ah, uh, yeah, back to Battlefield Four, right? Um, what I did a lot, and I, I wanted to ask, like, how did you guys also maybe in chat? How how did you search for uh, games? Because on Battlefield Four, for example, a lot of times I looked actually there was an option you could see who was on the server. So yeah. sometimes I even because I played a lot of Rush Hardcore. That's a very small community that time, and so you knew whose server are good and which server are not good, which server are good. And you know also like, oh, there's a good play. I joined this server. This is fun, right? So, and yeah. I miss that. I miss, I miss the, I miss the feeling of, I have seen this dude, you know? Yeah. He's good or whatever, because it is, it, it gives this kind of, you know, you, I mean, you're not playing against bots, right? You're playing against yeah. people. Yeah, I mean the old the old Battlefield games fostered a sense of community simply by the fact that there was name recognition associated with servers, right? Like you know, AOD Clan had their uh, Battlefield Four servers, and if you joined one of their servers, you knew that the cheaters would get kicked, balance would issues would be resolved, squads would be mm -hmm. get shuffled around. Like you knew certain things were going to happen because when you logged on for your hour or two every night, and you happened across one of those servers, you got familiar with it and then you saved it to your favorites. And like, there's none of that flow of like uh, recognition, like name recognition with 2042. And that's like a huge problem. And the way I used to find servers, and I still to this day find servers for Battlefield 4, is basically I pick the mode I want to play, I pick the maps I want to play, and I look for the most populated server. Mm -hmm. And then yeah, I, I go from like, too. yeah, and then I go from like, what has a good ping? And then which one is run by a clan that like mm -hmm. the big thing is like, which one is the actually going to have community moderation. And that's like three servers, you know, today, back then it was a lot. And I think the biggest problem with 2042 is that it doesn't have enough players to support that heavy level of filtration, right? Like really specific uh, mode selection and map selection that like will support like, 
the random group of like 3000 players that get on at 9 p.m. at night and have an hour to play and want to play Rush on Battlefield 3's maps, right? If they don't have 3000 players in the entire world, which I think the Steam player count is a really poor reflection of Battlefield's total player count because it's on like eight different platforms like mm-hmm. <laughs> seems not seems not the biggest platform but when it doesn't when there aren't enough players to even match make into the core modes it's like yeah you could totally have that experience where you go on battlefield portal and the aod clan has their portal servers up and they have rush hardcore but those servers don't get populated because everyone's playing all at warfare and there's no players left over going to portal and i think if they solve the the issues that we've talked about tonight they add more content to the game and they get a healthy player base behind the game then they can feature portal as the premier mode and they can have that experience of the legacy battlefield games where you got on you hopped on the server browser you found exactly what you were looking for you hit go and you got it and that's like the biggest problem with 2042 for me as like a hardcore battlefield player is like if i want to play a specific thing on a specific map in a specific way i either have to that either has to be what dice already offers or i have to you know give jesus the wheel with a portal browser uh server browser and hope that someone has created that mode and it's popular because i don't have time to make it i don't have the energy to make a mode and if it's not already popular there's no one going to be playing it because there's no players (laughs) and it's like they get they get players back portal mode can be the thing that everyone wants 2042 to be it can be the all at warfare mode it can be the only in battlefield moments server generating moment you know like it can be so many different things and it just needs like more players persistent servers and the other tweaks that we've talked about i think i have a good big big small big small big last question for you where do you see battlefield in three years so for those for the viewers that don't know ea and dice collectively put battlefield under completely new management in december of last year they brought in vince sampella and i think they promoted they promoted laura melee to like a huge position at ea she's like one of the most powerful women in gaming right now which i know gender distinctions are dumb alex everyone it should be a whatever Mm-hmm. It's a she got a really key promotion, and she's one of the people that has been really central to I think EA's success in the long term. But they put the the studio under new, not the studio, but the franchise under new leadership. Like Vince Sampella is the head of Battlefield at this point. Uh, Marcus Leto is uh, an executive leader on the Battlefield narrative team at this point, who and he's the guy that designed Master Chief's armor. Uh, and everyone loves him, but that's kind of like his biggest contribution. So I don't really know, but you know, he's he's the things he says on Twitter are things that people like hearing. So I think people are excited for him, his involvement. And I think they're going to come in. Obviously, they can't do it right now. Like you know, before twenty forty two launch, they brought in the guy that basically spearheaded Warzone's production. Uh, I think they're they're going to take this new leadership team and they're going to be like, you need to resuscitate Battlefield for the modern era. Dice did it with 2042 that was their attempt how do we fix the situation so that battlefield is a household name again in a good way and i think what's going to ultimately happen is that you're going to get the battlefield you're going to get a battlefield uh battle royale mode 
like the big like Warzone style mode that integrates through Portal with legacy content. And I think basically you're going to have Battlefield Portal and it's going to be a much more refined, maybe restricted, streamlined experience that's a, that's like a premium product. And then you're going to have Battlefield mm-hmm. Battle Royale or like whatever live service featured mode is popular. And I think it's going to be Battle Royale. Maybe it'll be like an Extraction Royale, like Hazard Zone, but better. And I think ultimately it's really on the marketing and the content to deliver on expectations and attract players. Cause like, I don't like live service games in the, in for a lot of reasons. Like I think they're very beneficial for developers, but as someone that worked in commercial art and advertising for basically my entire adult life, I will be the first person to tell you that the entire narrative focus of apex legends is a marketing tactic designed specifically to create emotional engagement between players in the game to make those players more likely to buy skins, period. They have a narrative team. The narrative team loves their job. They love that they get to create a story, like a real actual story for their game. But there's no Apex single player mode. There's no Apex story mode. And that's specifically because doing that sort of thing is a huge time and money investment that (coughs) might not work. But if they take a fraction of that money and a fraction of those resources and they put it into making really good trailers for the game that have all these characters and storylines, they can make way more money on the back end by engaging players in the live service cosmetics and, you know, battle passes and all that content. And so for me, like live service has really become about retention, about marketing, all this stuff that kind of distracts from the actual game. And I think Battlefield is at a unique point in time where players are starting to realize what live service games actually are. They're marketing campaigns for the game that drip feed content and gameplay elements over time to keep you satisfied. Like the big reason Halo Infinite had a falling out with players is because they lack the content. Even though the core game is fantastic, they lack the content to keep players engaged in the long term. And players were like, this is bullshit, dude. Like there's not enough skins. It takes too long to grind, blah, blah, blah. And I think it's a sign that players in general are starting to wake up to the reality that live service games are essentially like going to a casino and gambling with your time and, and, and attention. And I think EA and DICE can recognize that player sentiment towards live service games is starting to shift and capitalize on it by uh, offering a premium, content-rich, feature-complete experience from day one that integrates with their free-to-play live service title because that's exactly what Call of Duty is doing. They, Call of Duty has realized that you need both. You know, you need the premium content-rich experience and you need the free-to-play casino, you know, amusement park attraction, whatever you want to call it. And I think Battlefield is in a very good position to be like the next Apex Legends or the next Warzone where they're like, hey, we have this feature-rich thing and blah, 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 and we have the free-to-play, blah, blah, blah. So there's no barrier to entry and you get the battlefield experience you're looking for. The big question. Does the battlefield community be more open for change? uh, (laughs) No, no. I mean, specialist is very clearly like. No, because I mean, you're saying like we are going into more into the whole storytelling thing. And yes, we are. I mean, clearly when you see the marketing, it was a storytelling thing. It's just not. I think it's not. 
yet. It's not there yet that it's believable. Yeah. Because the context doesn't fit. Like you have these soldiers who throw sentences to you that don't make sense and et cetera, et cetera. And then yeah. people here in chat is, for example, saying like, hey, Battlefield has always felt like a nameless soldier sort of thing. So yeah. this makes it really difficult to implement a completely new... Um, the specialist system and everything, this feeling around it, the marketing campaign. Um, I I don't know how to fix the story, if you know what I mean. How do we yeah, I mean, how do we fix the narrative? You know, how do we because it's it's about trust, and if you don't trust the whole game, how can you trust the story that they try to tell you? It's weird. Yeah. I don't know if, if you no, don't understand me what I mean. No, totally. There is a big difference between creating characters that your players inhabit and essentially rewrite the script of that character in real time right like there's a lot of games like battlefield is really well known for like you have a generic soldier and like you know like the battlefield friends like their videos are like an encapsulation of the wacky comedic sort of narratively driven stuff that the battlefield soldiers and games have always said like oh i'm getting my shit fucking pushed in over here bro like you know there are these wacky voice lines that have always been part of battlefield but the thing is, they didn't, the players had agency over their character, basically. Like, they had agency over how how their character reacted to situations through gameplay because there wasn't, like, a huge emphasis on characterization through narrative. And in 2042, they did the exact opposite, which is where the player inhabits the character on a very superficial level, and the character decides the tone of how the player engages with the game, right? Like if you want to play as a snarky, uh, you know, do good or know it all guy, you play as McKay. If you want to play as a grizzled Russian security officer, you play as Boris. If you want to play as a douchebag, no face having motherfucker, you play as Casper. You know, there are these sort of predefined narrative roles that dice have selected for players to fill. And they, they do this because, you know, someone out there is really fucking into Sundance. They're like Sundance's backstory is really cool. I'm, I really connect with this character and it makes that player really likely to buy a skin for when they add a Sundance skin mm -hmm. down the line. And that's cool. Like, I think it's cool to give players a really concrete and well-realized character that they can latch onto and, and and you know embody and have like a, a really cyclical or symbiotic relationship with where it's like you know having representation of someone that looks like you and acts like you in a game is really fun like that's why we customize our characters because we want them to be a reflection of our personality but the problem with battlefield is like their writing wasn't good like the 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 voice lines don't fit the tone of the game. They're not interesting voice lines. Like, uh, you remember Lawbreakers, Cliffy B's last game had the same fucking problem. That mm -hmm. half the characters would say shit like hashtag you're dead, bro, when you got a kill. But the game is set in like three the year three thousand. When like, why would we still like? You know, they're like narratively, it doesn't make sense to use today's terminology and douchebag. And know, and and also, there's another thing. If you play Weavers, for example, or Call of Duty, I don't I actually don't play the Big Bear. I only play Weavers sometimes. But if yeah. you listen, sometimes they're saying something. If you have random kills, right? Yeah. 
And they're saying actually these kinds of sentences, but they're saying it in game when you kill somebody. Yeah. And it actually makes me smile sometimes because it's really funny what they say. So yeah, I I love it. I think I love maybe when the, you get the death comms. I think the timing is maybe I'm not wait death comms. You're talking about what other people say when you uh, kill them, right? When you kill them, I love that that's, stuff. No, I know that I yeah, know the characters that's have also like cool. that's yeah. also cool. I know but the characters in Warzone have things that they say like as characters. Yeah, that's but, also like they cool. fit the game. It's Call of exactly. Duty. It's supposed to be wacky doodle. Like it's exactly. not supposed to be climate change has ruined the earth, and now you're a an unaffiliated soldier fighting for fucking to restore valor to your fallen nation. It's like at the end of a battlefield match, these motherfuckers should like uh they should be doing the thing that the intro VO sets up, right? Like if you're going to discarded right and you're the whole the vo sets up this thing like there is a secret thing inside this uh beached carrier ship that the other people are trying to secure and if you don't it's gonna fuck up our chances of winning the overall conflict and then at the end of the match what it should be is a screen or a series of like you know animated cinematics where it shows your characters actually doing the thing like securing the area getting taking care and of hostages enough. or something and it's not in there and it's like it's such a small little tweak right it's such a small thing to just make a cinematic that renders in engine so it has all the cosmetics and whatever and just be like hey yeah. you know those data drives you're supposed to secure on the kaleidoscope map from the disinformation center at the center of the map what the fuck? You know, players don't know what that means because the game doesn't show you it. It doesn't. Mm -hmm. and, and instead, at the end of the game, you get, well, that was something, right? Oh, <laughs> enjoys these moments when they come. And it's like, it's like these motherfuckers should be like, I have secured the objective, sir. Where do I go next? And it's I like. Think, I think it just doesn't fit the action and the emotion and the timing. I think these yeah. three things don't come together right now. That's why I brought the example with Weavers because they yeah. bring these sentences. I don't know. It just fits more. It's like your character is alive. Why do you actually, you did something and you have a reaction there. It's yeah. just randomly running to you and giving you these sentences, which are out of context, basically. Yeah. And this out of context feeling, this is what I have a lot in this game. It feels like, Stuff is out of place or in place, and it's out of context. Battlefield out of context is exactly the perfect description for 2042 because it has all the features of legacy games. Like now it has a mm -hmm. scoreboard, but it has like you know it has Battlefield three maps and Bad Company two weapons. It has all out warfare mode and a battle royale kind of experience, but it's all completely devoid of context relative to mm -hmm. each other, and like. You know, I think a lot of people, they say Battlefield has to be this. It has to be a certain way. <laughs> and so I don't. Yeah, I definitely don't agree with that because every Battlefield game is a dramatic departure from the other ones, which may or may not be good. I don't know. But like you could have characters with goofy voice lines in a Battlefield game, but the game has to be goofy, too. Right. Mm -hmm. Like when you have a super serious, dour, dark and dis despairing premise for your game which is climate change ruined the earth and nations fell so we're soldiers of fortune going around the world trying to rebuild and then you get into the map and it looks like a shopping mall that just closed for the day it's a it creates a huge disconnect and it makes people realize this is a live service game that's trying to sell you on a premise and it's not working because there's no there's no context there's no connection and mm -hmm. that's a big part of why people are so mad about the game 
isn't just because on a technical level and a content level, it's severely lacking. It's because the, the, the curtain in front of the wizard of Oz has fallen and it's a guy, it's a game developer holding a, a roll of duct tape in one hand and a wad of bubble gum in the other and trying to stick all this shit together for you. And it doesn't work. And it's like, the worst thing you can do as an amusement park ride is show people how they're being amused. And that's what 2042 does when it doesn't <laughs> work. Now you have to be happy. <laughs> yeah. Don't be sad. That's just how it works out sometimes. Right, right. Hey, man, it was such a pleasure talking to you. I know you have to go. We're a little bit over time already because probably you have family. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. <laughs> um, no, I think it was good. I think we had a good conversation. I don't know about you guys in chat, but thank you so much all for being here. I hope you really enjoyed this conversation and... and um, I certainly learned something today. So thank you for that. Uh, for Tamar, it was really good to have you back here, man. Uh, I'm I always love to, to be talk here. To I'm so happy to, to be here because, like I said, I don't have time to talk about this stuff on my own. And it's great to have an audience that can hear what I'm saying and understand. Like, you know, Twitter's a bad platform for cr criticism, and that's where I've done a lot of my criticism of the game. So people have a very contrived impression of my views on the game and it was fantastic to just be able to be like look i know the game sucks in certain ways i just have feelings about other things that aren't the same as yours and it's a, it's we can all hate the game together in different ways and still be constructive like <laughs> I, it's, it's great it's great it's been great being able to do this that's that's good. I, I mean, the the best thing is if you have a guest who enjoy us being <laughs> enjoy us being here. So, no, but really, um, I think it was important that we do it. I was very insecure about talking about Battlefield because I feel like we had this big update, but what you know, what's coming next? But I feel, um, it is important to talk about because we. There are so many things we still don't know and we won't know. We probably look back in two years and say like, ah, this is what yeah. happened, you know? But yeah, I mean, I, it's also exciting. I'm excited, yeah, actually. I mean, I'm excited how it, how it ends, you know, the story. Yeah. yeah, leading into Update 4, I could not have been less interested in playing 2042 in the long term. Like, I was like, there's no content. Dice isn't acting quickly on big things that I want to see fixed, like the mouse input issue I was having. Everyone was having this issue where the mouse input felt, input felt terrible on PC since launch. And mm -hmm. Dice hadn't communicated or even acknowledged that it was a problem ever. And then Update 4.0 comes out, and lo and behold, there's this huge fix for mouse input, which may or may not have fixed it according to who you asked. But for me, it feels much better. And I'm like... It's not even in the patch notes. And I'm like, the fact that there's all of these undocumented changes that are so positive, I was mm -hmm. like, it got me excited for like, oh, what else, What other little nuggets of change have they put implemented that didn't get advertised that like are good for the right? game? And mm -hmm. I'm like, listen, now they just got to get the content rolling out and keep the updates coming so that the game is more and more stable and more performant. Honestly, I'm like, I I'm think it was... It was good that they left out that they changed their mouse input thingy or whatever they changed there. But I think it yeah. was good that they left it out because if they would have mentioned they changed anything about it, the expectations have been there again, like, yeah, yeah, they fixed it or whatever. Uh, and then they were again like, it's not really fixed, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, players obviously will figure out 
uh, if something's wrong with the game on their own. Like they will experiment and they will they will investigate on their own. But like I said, like going into update four, I couldn't have been less excited. And coming out of update four, I'm I'm not. It's not like I'm like completely like 180. But like we've even seen, I've even seen it on the game subreddit where like the posts now are about like. Hey, this update was kind of good, and yo, I had this moment, dude, where I like mm-hmm. blew up a tank and it looked cool. Here's like my clip, and like the comments are like, "Yeah, the game kind of still sucks, but cool clip, bro." Instead of like, "Hey, this mm-hmm. game fucking sucks. Specialists are cancer, and I hope everyone dies," because that was like that was a huge portion of the con. Like, and again, mm-hmm. the people on the subreddit, I know that doesn't reflect everyone there, and that the people actually making posts there are a minority of you that are actually active on it. But again, it was so popular and prevalent and it, it's like just the single update has radically shifted a lot of the way people talk. And I'm yes. like, yes, there's still so much to be done, but I'm glad that dice are going in the right direction. Yes. I think if, if we, if they now can figure out how to get out of their rabbit hole point of communication, that would be nice to see. Yeah. I mean, I think that, that was would my be really feedback. nice to see. That's mm-hmm. been my feedback recently, like internally, like I'll, I'll, you know, send a message to a community manager and I'm like, here's the thing. The fact that Temper Yal and Tom Henderson have more to say about what's coming to the game than you do is your biggest problem right now. You need to resolve this issue. And it, it means get a roadmap out, get, just communicate, like be like, hey, listen, we have this in development. We're not sure if it's going to make it to the game. Or not. Don't do that. Okay. Don't, don't say that <laughs> uncertain things are coming. But, like, give players an idea of, like, mm-hmm. why you don't have a roadmap. Be like, listen, we are working on a huge, complete fucking change. And they kind of have alluded to the complexity of reworking the maps. But they haven't said the reason we're not releasing content until the summer is because we're doing all of this work that you're not seeing that is going to culminate in the game being infinitely better and if we didn't do all this work, the content wouldn't matter because you still wouldn't want to play. Like they need to acknowledge the frustration and they just need to say like, Hey, this is why it's taking so long. Like really, this is the real issue. Like you see us making these map changes and you're wondering why it takes us three months to put fucking sandbags on a map. And I'm like, it's because we're not just putting sandbags on the map. Here is a, here's a wireframe view of the map and all of the geometry we have to change just to place that thing. And no, it's not the engine. It's the fidelity. You know what I'm saying? I think I, I I have the feeling the the main issue is that it's it's a, I have the feeling it's all about legal issues in the end. And I yeah, I and the, I have the, the feeling I don't know then have a fund for these cases but please do more communication. I don't know. Yeah, I mean you know? other games don't have this problem and that's the that's my big takeaway is okay. like when squad or squad or uh uh rainbow six siege or insurgency sandstorm are uh working on a thing um they they say hey we're working on a big thing and it'll come out in six months maybe and then if it gets delayed it gets delayed whatever you know they're they're very communicative about stuff like PUBG for the first two years as much as i hate that game now the developers were like every week we're like hey You know how like when you die behind cover and that really sucks? Well, it turns out that we're actually doing all of this data analysis and here's our data. Like here, they would actually show graphs. and That is cool. Yeah. And they would do these things where it's like, hey, look, this is, 
this is what it takes to actually do the things you're asking for. It's not just like, hey, here's some fancy screenshots and some bullshit text from that a developer wrote. It's like, hey, look, here's like the the white box view of the map update that we're currently working on. So you get a sense of how extensive it is. Yeah, and for Battlefield, it's just show us why you have the problem to fix the PC performance issues, for example. Yeah. You know, I mean, if it's yeah. really this thing of the information, may then show some screenshots. Where you say like, okay, this is the data, this is how much yeah. it takes. But if you would reduce it, it would help. And this is what we are working on. It's the same thing. Yeah. And I, I, w- I would love that. And I think this is the biggest point here that AAA studios need to open up. They need to in they need, and also people want to learn. They want to see how yeah. it works. I mean, look at films. Why do we have behind the scenes movies? Why is everyone watching yeah. that? Because you want to see how it's get how it, how everything gets built. And yeah, um, I, think... I think this is something the gaming industry still needs to learn, maybe to be yeah. a little bit more visual about um, the whole process and open up. And there's there, there should be always something they can show or not. Yeah, there, you should always have something you could show. And I think I'll end by saying like, listen, game developers. Yes, and we have to end. <laughs> uh, Players are eventually going to get smart enough to figure out why you don't tell them certain things like about anti-cheat or how long it takes to make a map. And when the answer internally is because if we told them they would realize that we're basically, you know, pulling the rug over their eyes and selling them loot boxes because of it, that is bad. And what's going to happen and what you're seeing with Battlefield and Halo and other live service games that have a lot of vitriol coming from the community is that players are starting to see the forest for the trees when it comes to these games. And they're realizing that the reason they play them isn't because they're good games. It's because there's always something new to do. And when the core of your game isn't good and doesn't facilitate a fun experience, players are going to freak out. So the best thing you can do is just be player focused, focus on making players have fun and enjoy your game first and foremost, and then worry about retention and then worry about cosmetics and all the live service stuff. Because if you don't get that stuff right, players are going to be way more, uh, way more heavily uh, scrutinizing your game and they're going to figure things out on their own and they're going to come to their own assumptions. So if you can get ahead of the leakers and the data miners and the assumptions and say, this is why X, Y, or Z is happening and drop the secrecy, stop being afraid of like, you know, letting the cat out of the bag. Like, I don't care if like Battlefield 2042's like narrative update where they add like a campaign or something is like coming out and there's a certain storyline. Like, be like, hey, listen, we got this cool storyline that we're going to launch next year for the game that's like, you know, it's like got playable content and here's like a rough idea of what it'll offer. We're not really sure yet. It's still in development. There's none of that. And it's like, it's mm-hmm. because we're like, oh, we tell the players it won't be like the surprise element of the marketing won't have as big of an impact and we'll sell less copies of the game. It's like a court, but like there's no players to play the game. So what does it even matter if you're secretive about the future? Like, yeah, exactly. Your guts, man. Right, not, right. And, 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 and the thing is that the more you open up to and build up a bridge for engagement, the, the, I mean, the easier and quicker you will build up a community again as well. Like yeah, it's something. Exactly. Yeah. So it's all connected in that way.